0: Get in the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on ScoreNorth and ScoreNorth.com. <laughs> Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Uh, not something that uh, that is new to him. I know it's, you know, having not been around him previous years, I know he's dealt with that at times, um, but I think it's something that he's prepared to try to play with uh, while also knowing that we're going to do what's best for him to make sure that uh, we can have him as much as possible uh, through the ins and outs of the rest of the season. So uh, we'll take it. It truly is a day-to-day thing, see how kind of the management goes with it. Uh, but he wants to be out there with his teammates. He's one of our leaders, and then uh, we'll kind of assess that as the week goes on. There he is, Kevin O'Connell talking about no the – No F-bombs. No F-bombs? No, no F-bombs, F-bombs. I'm very disappointed. Clip. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> he's talking I'm about F- Del- F- Delvin Cook's effing shoulder that F-ing keeps – Effing right, he's hurt. Effing popping out of the socket, apparently. This is Daily Vikings Entertainment here on Purple Daily, where we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. It's Mackie, Judd, and our executive producer, Declan Goff. The show is presented in part by our friends over at TCL. Redefine creativity with the TCL 30V 5G smartphone. Enjoy blazing fast 5G speed an AI powered 50 megapixel triple camera system. Football. <laughs> <laughs> an ultra realistic true to life visuals powered by next vision booming sound from the dual speakers learn more at tcl.com also a shout out all of you who have been showing us your cans of before i die those surly cans we appreciate those coming in mm-hmm. we do
1: and yes we we saw a bunch on sunday both from home and at the stadium furious logic bomb it's all great and we know that we all enjoy Viking football and we all enjoy Surly beer. So continue to show us your cans. I'm at Jay Zolgate on Twitter at Score North. Your support of those who support us is much appreciated and certainly helps. And Surly Brewing is among those who support Purple Daily being on every day, every day of the week, year out.
0: Also, mark these two dates down on your calendar, right. kids. Okay. Mm-hmm. Surly. Purple Daily Watch Parties at the Surly Brew House. Sunday, October 16th, I believe that is at Miami, right? Correct. It's the Miami game. Yes. And then Sunday, November 6th, these are noon games, and so you can show up, you can hang out, watch the game, and enjoy some Surly beverages, a live recording of Vikings Vent Line after the game is over as well. Yep. yep. So if you want to hang out and you want to hang out with the Purple Daily crew, at least Judd and Declan I have some we'll be I'm there. sorting out some i'm going to be hopefully at one or both. I am huh? sorting out some some family health and travel stuff here, but uh Sunday October sixteenth and Sunday November sixth surly watch party so mark it's it going to be
1: awesome and and here's the important thing too because we we have seen and we have gotten questions far and wide how can I get before I, I die and I believe that you can have beer shipped. Legally, but, like, we can't, like, just ship you beer. So, just like the draft party, this is your chance to make plans to attend, perhaps coming from outside the state. As Phil just said, if nothing else, Dex and I will... Be there throughout the course of the game to talk to you, to talk Vikings. Uh, but if you want to experience the full Purple Daily Vikings slash Surly experience, make your plans now and join us so that we, we can meet you and talk football and, more importantly, enjoy Surly be- Surly beers, plural. All right. Let's
0: get into the meat of the show here, boys. So the Vikings are 2-1, and one, despite some kinks and... Kevin O'Connell kind of pointed that out in his post-game address, the F bomb Laden. I love that he's I love that he's he talks like a sailor and it, it sounds natural. It was it was KOC in his locker room habitat. And he basically said, "We got a lot of stuff to focus on and we will, but ultimately, we're two and one, we're going to take this swag across the pond to a different continent." So, what I want to do is I want to highlight four things that are Major kinks, but the Vikings are winning despite some of these things. And get your guys' thoughts on your level of concern. All right, Let's start with this one. The defense is getting gashed yardage-wise. Now, points per game, the defense is actually among the 10 best in the league. They're only giving up like 18 points a game, well under the league average. So the result has been fine defensively in terms of points allowed. But uh, they are allowing, I want to say, I don't have it in front of me, like six to six and a half yards per play, which is bottom 10 in the NFL. And uh, they're allowing uh, one of the top uh, rush yards per attempt as well. So it's just the yardage is a problem. The points are not yet. What is your level of defensive concern that at some point they're not going to hold teams to, you know, 24? It's going to be something that you can't overcome
1: it doesn't feel sustainable, right? Like like if it felt sustainable, i would say who cares? yards are are at times i think one of the most overrated stats out there cuz mm-hmm. it's points. you care about points. that being said, here's what concerns me right now cuz this is the problem in my opinion that's going to that's going to become an issue if it's not fixed and it's more so the rushing yards. um you have to be able to at times stop teams. And the Vikings did on on the 4th and 1 on Sunday, to their credit, they got to stop there. But that being said, it also feels like there's far too many times that we see a guy, just like last year, pick up 6 yards where it should be 3, right? Or 10 yards where it should be 6. And so I feel like the ultimately holding opponents points in check, while incredibly important, isn't going to be sustainable, especially if the ground game yards continue to get racked up. So I definitely have concern on, on a scale of one to 10. I would say that concern is like a six. And again, it could get fixed, Uh, but I can't, I can't dismiss it because it feels like it's the type of stat that's going to catch up to you. Eventually, if you don't at least get it under control,
2: you know, uh, Vikings fans will absolutely loathe this comparison. But the 2009 Saints defense wasn't anything special. It was like 20th in points. It was 25th in yards, but they were number two in turnovers forced. So they were extremely opportunistic. They were the bend, don't break defense. Now, it also turns out uh, there was some bounties being placed behind the scenes and not actually some great moral things. Yeah. But they were still able to overcome what was mostly a sieve on defense and turn it into something positive, being opportunistic. So from the Vikings side... I don't really see it being a team that can, you know, get a lot of interceptions and force a lot of turnovers, and those are just kind of hard to project. But can it be really good inside the red zone? Can it get a key sack when it needs to? I think those are the things that they can improve upon. They're going to get gashed at at points. It, it just it's not a good enough defense where it's just going to shut teams down. But are there certain areas of the game where they can excel in to make up for the for their lack of basically having a good defense?
0: Yeah, I'm much I'm much more interested in like the situational defense than I am in total yards or yards between the twenties or whatever. Uh but oftentimes the total yards can tell a story about the rest of you're not gonna be this terrible defense between the twenties and this amazing defense inside the twenty. Usually there's some correlation there. Right. But I will say that to this point in the season, uh the Vikings third down percentage allowed is actually uh Let's see here. Where are they at here? Uh, tenth best in the league. So it's they've been better situationally on third down than overall, which is encouraging. That oh, they might bear down when it matters the most. But then I pulled open a uh, football outsiders here too, and and they what they do is they take all of the plays that you are playing defense on in context. So if you allow fourteen yards on a third and twenty, it doesn't really matter. Like your yards per play are bad, but. You stop the team from getting a first down on a third and Mm twenty, so it's you know stuff like that. They put everything into context, and with that, the Vikings have the twentieth ranked pass defense and the thirty first ranked run defense. Yeah. So if that continues, is the and they're not they haven't generated pressure really much yet. So if those things continue, are they still going to be top ten in points allowed? Almost certainly not. To me, this all starts with Daniel Hunter, Zadarius Smith, and the defensive front. If those guys can start to get more pressure, wreak more havoc, it throws everything else off.
1: Big guys up front, too, though. Like, like what I want is this. Phillips and Tomlinson, you guys are loads. Stop the run. Stop the damn run. I love when guys stop the run.
2: Big, all right. big yeah. yeah, big guys Flood who stopped the run. It is great. <laughs> Jerry Ball. I love yeah. a guy who stopped the run.
1: Gilbert Brown, you know what they did? They said, Grady Jackson stopped
2: the run. I love guys that rebound. You know, just <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of fun I, I,
1: I love the nitty-gritty, man. I love the nitty-gritty of sports. I
2: love the black shots in uh, hockey. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, all right. Uh, red flag number two here, despite the 2 and one start. We touched on this briefly yesterday, but Kirk Cousins, right? New offense, new partnership with KOC, just a lot, a lot of new things here. The ball is being put in his hands. I think he is he is being allowed to do more things and asked to do more things than maybe in the, the previous Mike Zimmer-Kubiak offenses. And to this point, nice job with the fourth-quarter comeback, great first half against Green Bay, but overall the first three games of the season, he ranks 20th in QBR, 22nd in passer rating, 22nd in completion percentage, 28th in yards per attempt, 27th in average air yards per pass attempt, and 25th in EPA, which is expected points added. It's a key metric that a lot of front offices use in the NFL to measure your success as a player and as a team. So he is outside the top 20 in all of those categories right now through the first three games. How concerned are you?
1: They're two and one. They are two and one, and yes, in week two he took a step back, like that. That was sort of a prime prime time Kirk game, but you know what? In week three he didn't play great, and they won. And so, if those statistics continue, am I concerned? Perhaps, okay. But how long? As we talked about on Monday show, have we focused on the stats from Kirk and the stats are great. Oh man, look at the stats and all the cousin stands. Look at those stats. <laughs> um, I'm telling you right now, I don't think people understand for Kirk cousins, what a potential and it's potential. Okay. I'm not guaranteeing anything. So if you don't like Kirk, don't use this against me. But I think if you're O'Connell, you have to look at what was put on film on Sunday guys and say, this is incredibly encouraging because Kirk was not good and Kirk got flustered and Kirk came back and, and with O'Connell's help, make no mistake. My whole point about this from day one is this is partially puppeteering Kirk, but I don't have a problem with that with O'Connell's help. You came back and you won and you didn't win like on a field goal You won because Kirk Cousins made two back-to-back big throws after an incompletion that I think two years ago sabotages him completely, and he goes, basically, that's it. So um, I think this is a far, fill more interesting and in-depth discussion than stats because stats are what far too often has been what prop Kirk up. And I don't care about his stats. So I'm actually encouraged by how this is trending. I want to see way more. But, uh, yeah, I will defend Kirk here and O'Connell and say – the stats aren't what's important. What's important is he came back and won a game that I don't think a couple years ago he wins.
2: Yeah, echoing what Judd said, too. I mean, he's historically been a slow starter. He, he's gotten off to just awful starts in seasons before, 2020 being the most prime example. 2018 was weird because they threw in the tie against the Packers. Um, this is only the second time that they've started 2-1 and one in the Kirk Cousins era, the other one being in 2019 when the Vikings went to the playoffs. So I'm not too concerned with his slow start. Uh, he's learning the new system of Kevin O'Connell. The Vikings have still found out a way, found out a way to win two of the first three games, um, and then he kind of gets better as the season progresses. Even with how uh, much we can criticize who Kirk is in prime time, he's always progressed after September. So the the slow start to me, it, re- it really is a honestly a non factor.
0: Yeah, I, it's just, it's so weird because it is it's such a small sample size for one. It's three games, and even to say like. Hey, he's off to a slow start, but the team is winning games. Well, the team has won two of their first three games. And if Dan Campbell goes for it, maybe it's a, maybe that one decision and you have a different, you know, thought on this. But I think what's a little, I think I'll dig a little deeper. This is one that I didn't mention. The Vikings are one of the worst third down offenses in the NFL again this year. And most years in Kirk Cousins' career, his offenses have been bad on third down. Like, there was one year with Stefanski where they were ninth. Otherwise, they're always outside the top half of the league until you go back to, like, 2015 with Sean McVay as the offensive coordinator in Washington. And some of it's just he's he doesn't get the benefit of having, you know, Jalen Hurts' mobility or Josh Allen's arm talent to just kind of fling a throw somewhere. It's harder for him, Kirk Cousins, to be great on third down because he doesn't have some of these other athletic traits that other great players you know, the great quarterbacks have. So he's never, I don't, I don't expect him ever to be one of the best third down quarterbacks, but I need him to be a little better. Sure. And so far that trend has continued into 2022. So some of the things, some of these things are like things that have always been a problem for him. Other things are just slow start. My general concern level is pretty low. I think he's going to get back to being normal Kirk, but getting back to being normal Kirk, how much does that really do for you as a franchise? I need him to get back to being normal Kirk in the ways that he's usually Kirk and also be better on third down and be better in some of these more high leverage situations. So not super concerned about the slow start, much more interested in the fourth quarter comeback against the Lions despite having a bad start to the season. Like that's great. That's what matters. That's the high leverage spot where we need you to do something, you know, for the Vikings decision makers. So uh all right, uh the third potential red flag here Justin Jefferson disappeared completely in that third game. Only three catches for 14 yards, only six targets, after being targeted 23 times in the first two games combined. This was just, and there. in fairness, there was a couple plays, namely the second-to-last play of the game, where Jefferson had three Lions defenders trailing or waiting for him, while K.J. Osborne had one defender that he was torching over the middle of the field, so... Right. Justin Jefferson merely existing helped set up a Vikings game-winning drive, so that's good. He commands attention, but how concerned are you that the Lions absolutely took him out of that game in terms of his own production?
1: Well, first of all, I think to start the game, he took himself out because he dropped a couple balls too. Yep. Like, like that—that's as bad of game as I've seen him play um and i think the attention annoys him and bothers him but first of all you got to fight through it like that like you are and he said this post game i brought this on myself he's exactly right um but i think the flip side too is what you brought up phil and what the vikings started to exploit with the second uh quarter touchdown pass to Thielen in the back of the end zone where he was not covered he was not covered because three guys peeled off towards 18 um so I think the Vikings need to scheme up ways and find ways to keep Jefferson involved. Like, you can't just always say, well, three guys are, you know, he's hes triple covered. So, I mean, there are ways to scheme things, especially if Osborne and Thielen continue to play well, because then you have to cover them too. So that that's going to sort itself out. Um, I'm not super concerned because of this too. I think we all have to have, until we're proven wrong, faith in Kevin O'Connell, to come up with schemes here. Like, this is what worried me last year. Clint Kubiak was incapable. Like, he just saw this and said, oh, we're screwed. Uh, O'Connell's whole role in life here with this job is to say, okay, adjustment made to my guy, now I'm going to adjust. So within the confines of that game, you still won. You used guys who certainly weren't being covered because Justin Jefferson was being, uh, but I am more, I guess, Concerns not the right word. I am to use a C word more curious. What oh, the Vikings died. do.
2: Oh yeah, my goodness. Don't man, be I worried. Thought were, guys. That was, uh, I thought you were going in a, a totally different direction tease.
1: there man. Yeah. I'm going to use uh, I'm, I'm going to use curious <laughs> as what I want to see Kevin O'Connell I do. I didn't say you were. No. I no. said you're acting, acting you know, like a You know that word, that very offensive word wouldn't even have come to mind or applied here, okay? I'm curious what he's going to do with uh with jefferson going forward because i think o'connell was telling the truth post game when he said it's now pretty much up to me to find ways to keep him involved
2: yeah i think with jj too you have to just figure out ways and the vikings have done this so far the first three games but lining him up in different spots whether that's outside and or in the slot or even in the backfield just figuring out ways to put the ball in his hands um he's too good of a receiver to, I think, have three straight games. Like, I don't think he goes in the Saints game and puts up another dud performance. Like, this is kind of the first first time where we've seen him be locked down by a top cornerback from the last two weeks in Darius Slay and Jeff Okuda. So, he, he's being focused on. And for whatever reason, it took teams, you know, 35 games to really figure this out. But the attention's going to be we're going to shut down Justin Jefferson. That's the opposing team's goal. Can the Vikings still beat us? And so far, the Vikings are one and one, at least in 2022, in that scenario of shutting down Justin Jefferson. And can the rest of the Vikings offense beat us? It has the personnel to do so. But he's too good of a wide receiver, I think, to have three straight games where he's just held in check. So that's kind of my long way too of saying, I think this game against the Saints is where you see him prop back up and be the receiver who he, who he is, which is one of the best in the entire NFL
0: yeah and, and by the way, by the way, this is happening to other receivers too. Jamar Chase is off to kind of a weird sl- so Jamar Chase has had a very similar season to Jefferson so far where he'd bust out for a gangbusters week one yep in that crazy game against Pittsburgh. yep and then the next week against Dallas, uh, only five catches for 50 yards, only 29 yards against the he did have a touchdown, but only 29 yards receiving against the Jets this last week. So, I don't know, maybe is it is it also possible that defenses are coming around a little bit now and figuring out, all right, there's all these ridiculous weapons around the league. Here's how we're going to Didn't Devonte Adams have a dud in week 2 yeah. as well? He had a and big, week 3
1: and, yeah. and now he's all ticked off. Mm-hmm. Big yeah. week 1. Mm-hmm. Big week 1. Here's the one thing that I want. I want Jefferson uh and I don't think he's run many of these at all so far. I want more goal routes. Nope. Cuz Kirk can throw that ball. Kirk can throw that ball, ball, and you can single a guy up, and I would argue that Jefferson's going to catch the ball. Um, I think, you know what? I mean, Justin's great at the crossing routes. Like, he he runs great routes, so I'm not doubting that. But I think what you try to do, if you're O'Connell, is get a corner isolated and then trust Kirk. Because Kirk can make those throws. Like, that's the thing. He might not like to, but he is what. One- he can make the deep throw really well. He's got mm-hmm. a nice, I mean, he throws a nice ball, so. Absolutely. And then
0: I'll give you one more here, just a little, little red flags, kinks, that we're trying to figure out how much do they matter. So Greg Joseph missed two 50-yard field goals. They're pretty long. It was like 56-yarders, yep. so they weren't they weren't gimmies. Yes. But uh, he has now equaled excuse me, the amount of 50-plus yard misses he had all of last year. He was seven of nine from downtown last year beyond 50 yards mm-hmm. and then only missed, let's see here, he was, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he only missed five field goals all year. So he missed two from 50-plus and then three other ones. So I guess, does Greg Joseph missing a couple long field goals concern you at all?
1: No, not unless it becomes a pattern. No, no. I I mean, we don't know – we. We, we joked, but we don't know if the doors being o- opened in the stadium on Sunday affected things. I will say it's weird that at least three kick three kicks did the exact same thing, all to the right, and just yeah. veered right, like but badly, like like mishit. Um So that seemed weird, especially because it was three kicks by two different kickers. Now, if he could, t- if he struggles against the Saints, I might get concerned. But I think that that was probably a little bit more fluky and as you said 56 is not a chip shot
0: well here's my question and I'm sure we'll get this answer from you know the special teams press conference this week hopefully hopefully somebody asks about the doors being open if it's that windy and Declan you were saying I mean Declan you live downtown you're saying it was really windy that day Mm -hmm. why would that even be a thing why would why would the doors be open
1: because they didn't think about it I don't know it's a good question it looked just a weird element that you would invite
2: you know? Yeah, and it, and it just—both the Lions and the Vikings were openly kicking 50-yard— like, these weren't chip shots. Like, I wasn't—I right. know Vikings have PTSD with their kickers, but, like, I had really no issue with Greg Joseph missing those kicks. It's from 56 yards. I don't care how good he's looked in, in camp. Like, ju- I mean, Brandon McManus was missing kicks for Denver so far. Like, unless you have Justin Tucker, having asking a kicker to be automatic north of 50 is foolish to me.
1: It was weird though because all three of them missed really badly. Yeah, like that's what was weird. Like if they had veered a little bit, I'd be like, okay, that's you know. But all three of those kicks looked like something was wrong with them. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think I'm I'm kind of with you guys. It was it seemed like a weird one game fluke, but he's gonna have to make fifty plus yard field. You Absolutely. you have to make you have to make some number of them, you know. And he did last year. He was seven of nine, not quite the Blair Walsh ten for ten season from like ten years ago. But uh, so those are the kind of the four things. There's probably some more things here and there, but the four things that are popping up saying, hey, if you don't fix these things, you're probably not going to keep winning a bunch of games Uh, before we get into our pigskin pecking order and where the Vikings rank. Let's play a quick game. I think we should make this a weekly feature here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. A quick game of Judd guesses the PFF grades. All right. Not the grades themselves. I already gave you the offense yesterday, so let's go on the defensive side of the ball. Okay. I'm staring at overall defensive PFF grades for the Vikings in that game. Give me, to the best of your abilities, the three best players defensively.
1: All right. um, I'm going to guess, because he made a couple nice plays, Eric Kendricks is one?
0: Kendricks had a a good game in some aspects. But Broke he was kind of middle-of-the-pack PFF okay.
1: grade. Because he did break up that one. I think it was fourth down pass. It was a hell of a play.
0: I guess he got beat in coverage a few times. No. All right. But sometimes that doesn't show up. It's like, oh, a guy caught a pass right. for 12 yards and whatever. Right. Well, someone got beat.
1: All right. Uh, this guy was in on a a bunch of – or a few plays and, and had a pick, which probably helps him out, Josh Metellus. Josh Metellus was the second-highest-graded
0: player on the Vikings defense. Very nice. Yep. Nice job. Okay. Um, Number one will shock you.
1: I'll give you that hint. Is it Aarius Smith? He's third. Okay. <laughs> That's three guesses, so I guess at least one wrong. Uh-huh. One, I don't know. Who's one? Daniil Hunter. Oh, I think yeah. we've been
0: sitting here saying, "Oh, Daniel Hunter, where's he been?" Right. Well, according Ooh. to Pro Football Focus, yeah, <laughs> <I> take that. <laughs> he did, well, he we, he
1: had that one great. Was it was at a fourth down. He just blew a play up on like third or fourth down. It was him. The end. It was yeah, because I think Bynum flew in first, right, on fourth down, and then yeah. Hunter and was a Kendricks, I think, flew in after that and made the tackle. But he
0: did also have three pressures and three hurries in that game. See? So. That's so a good they had, they had okay. him doing a pretty good job, just, uh, you know, not an elite job or anything, but doing a pretty good job getting to the, to the quarterback or flustering right. Jared Goff.
1: But that, but that means that our expectation that he's going to put up traditional stats is probably misguided on our part a little bit more. Yeah. Like we're like, where are the sacks? And the Vikings are probably like, who cares? He's getting pressures. Well, and that's the thing. This, I will
0: say in defense of us, this is a pressure friendly show. We oftentimes talk about pressure rate and pressures a lot yeah. more than we talk about sacks, because pressures is process, yep. sacks is result. Sometimes you don't always get home, but you but you throw a playoff, right? Yes. So worth noting that Daniel Hunter and Zedaria Smith were two of the three highest-graded players in the Vikings. Okay, who are the three worst players defensively? Mm, 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 mm. Um, Cam Dantzler? He was the worst graded player defensively for the Vikings. Yes, very much. And you know what? I I misled you earlier. Eric Kendricks was the third worst graded player. Oh for the wow! Vikings. Wow! Really? So there's one. Man, left I thought in that here. fourth
1: down play, that pass breakup
2: on w- TJ it was. Hawkinson, it was a big play.
1: Would get him up that
0: point. But that is a big play. And this is kind of Kendricks the last couple of years where he still has some Eric Kendricks in him. Yeah. He's still going to make a big play, deflect a pass. Right. He's going to sense something before the ball is snapped and get behind line of scrimmage. But According to Pro Football Focus, the way that they are grading him in coverage and some weeks when it comes to the run game, he's a step behind things or maybe you didn't see the three times where a guy caught a pass, right? So in coverage, Kendricks was targeted six times, four catches for an average of 15 yards per reception in that game. Okay, yeah,
1: then that's, yeah. Wow, and those are
0: again, those are like maybe you're maybe you're playing zone or something. Right. Whatever it may be, but it's your area to defend, and a guy catches a pass like you see a million times in the NFL weekend for 13 yards, and it's just a standard play on second down. Well, someone <laughs> Someone was there and accounted for that receiver getting open, and what they're saying is, yeah, that happened right. like four or five times on Sunday with Kendricks.
1: So. All right. Uh, my last guess, I'm going to guess, if Kendricks graded that poorly, I'm going to guess that the linebackers as a whole didn't have a great day. Is Hicks one of them? So Hicks was actually the fifth
0: highest graded player. He had a boatload uh, of tackles. Yeah, he had a, He was kind of all over the place. Four tackles, and then uh, in coverage he had, a, he had a pretty high grade, 75 out of 100. He was targeted... Five times, three catches for only 25 yards oh, in coverage. okay,
1: so not a lot of yardage. Yep. So who's the third? Chandon
0: Sullivan had a, had a rough game. Oh,
1: I should have gotten him because I saw him get beat a few times.
0: Yeah. That's right. Ch- Chandon was targeted five times, four catches yeah. for 50
2: yeah, yards yeah. and a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> was, that, was that from Garage Logic? Uh, there's a sad trombone song on the MGR Drops page. So. That's from Garage oh, Logic. Okay. Man. I think
1: that's from Garage yeah. Logic. I think we stole it. <laughs> it is, yeah.
0: We might have to clean up these buttons. When is Joe pages? start, by the way? <laughs> hey. uh, pretty soon. Pretty soon. So there it is. That's Judd guesses the PFF grades here okay. after Vikings went pretty good. I did, sense, okay. man. I did okay.
1: I didn't do great. I did okay.
0: Yep. Uh, boys, let's shout out our friends over at Livia for helping Judd start this football season in much better shape than he was last football season.
1: Yeah, I'd say when last football season started, I was probably a defensive tackle or an (laughs) offensive guard. Too chunky. This year, I'm a damn quarterback. That's right. I'm in fantastic shape, down 40 pounds, and most importantly, keeping that weight off, thanks to my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers. And now I want you to join me on a weight loss journey that's not only incredibly gratifying, but also helps you fit into all those clothes that right now don't fit. And here's the best part. Incentive. It's the first eight weeks are free. That's right. First eight weeks for free. And with their new flex program, you can enjoy foods like fruit, pasta, and even bread. That's right. Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. 855 go L-I-V-E-A. Livia dot com. You you can have uh in personal consultations if you're in town here. If you're not, no problem. You can zoom in as simple as possible. The dietitians will help you. Shed the Unwanted Pounds, Livia.com. Join the growing number of people from our Purple Daily family who have joined and experienced the success of weight loss that then is maintained.
0: Yeah, speaking of the Purple Daily family here, NutriSource is part of it. NutriSource is the official dog food of Mackie & Judd, Purple Daily, Maya Mackie on screen here on the YouTube page, and also Stella Zolgad, third-generation family-owned, operating out of Purim, Minnesota,
1: Look at these happy pooches, Judd. Oh, God, they love it. They love it. Look at Maya jumping up and down. And and you know what? She's young and vibrant and loves the, the food. Well, Stella, Stella's about 12. And guess what? Joint health, right? Consistency, very important. She loves the food and the treats. Nutrisource, Stella Zolgad endorsed, and I don't blame her one bit.
0: NutriSourcePetFoods.com to find a retailer near you. National and even worldwide product availability. NutriSourcePetFoods.com to find a retailer near you. And uh, if you have it next, you show the audience that Minnesota Lottery scratch off ticket. I two. don't
1: because Dawn got it and she scrolled Oh, you got oh, oh, it. you're quitting your job. Now you're quitting your job? No, I'm rich. Oh, yeah. No, I'm rich. But, well, I'm not. But guess what? With $10.2 million in total cash prizes, it's time to go big with the lottery's big ticket Viking scratch game. So big, it has huge second chance prizes, too. The lottery say I'm in. Must be 18 or older to go big. Even if the Vikings don't win their game, you can win big with the Lottery's big-ticket Vikings scratch game.
0: All right, it's time now for the pigskin pecking order, gentlemen, where we rank the 10 best teams in the NFL and tell you where the Vikings rank as well. And this ranking system, according to the Purple Daily Leadership Cabinet, uh, that is... The CEO, myself, mm-hmm. the CBO, the Clickbait Officer, Declan, Hello. and the CBDO, the Chief Beverage Distribution Officer, Judd Zolgad. Let's do it. All right. These are the ten. So we we all we each rank our ten best teams. We put this into uh, sort of an average of who we think the ten best teams are, and we'll start with number one: the Buffalo Bills. Hmm. Nobody circles the wagons. Well. The Dolphins circled the wagons this last weekend. So uh, what's happening here is Judd and I both had the Bills number one. Declan had the Dolphins number one, and we'll get to where they rank as well. I don't think it's as simple as saying this team beat this team, therefore they should be above, because once you get to like week six or seven, then you're just kind of screwed, because it's like, oh, wait a second. This team beat that team, but then that team beat that team. I still think the Bills are better than the Dolphins, But the Dolphins showed out again for a third week. So
1: that's how I justified this. Clock ran out, too. That was a tough loss. Great game. though.
0: Yeah. Number two, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Climbing up the rankings here. Look damn good, don't they? Yeah. It's like, on one hand, maybe we're getting a little excited about this team and putting them too high in the rankings. But on the other hand, they look great. So the Dolphins are third here. Dolphins climbing that fast worries me a little like all right they're off to a hot start but new head coach yeah decent but not great quarterback but he so far been. they they have yeah they have their stuff together more than almost any team yeah number 4 the Kansas City Chiefs despite a tough loss
2: mahomes seems frustrated man he just seems kind of a uh... He'll learn it without Tyreek Hill, and he's not throwing to his wide receivers as much. I'm a little worried about them, Chiefs. The
1: enemy in him, too. Yeah. yeah. Got a screaming Getting match. Pissed. That's Eric, though. He spent his entire time here riding Adrian Peterson's butt every day. So, like, this is not surprising.
0: Yeah, that's, man, if that relationship is souring, though, oh, it's is strong. it possible EB is also just kind of frustrated because he's still the offensive coordinator of the
1: Chiefs instead of, Having a head
0: coaching job and life changing money. That's how he somewhat. coaches,
1: though, man. He yeah, he's he's a screamer. He yells and screams and screams and screams. Like yeah. he rides guys.
0: We have the Tampa Bay Bucks collectively as the fifth best team, despite a loss. This is where I got
1: iffy. Yep. Like it's the Buccaneers, feeling. I still have high, but I, I was like, I don't know, I I don't know, I'm sold on on them. Uh, they were without what three receivers for that game, so that's a yeah. thing. But I don't know how I feel about them. I wouldn't be surprised if they dropped. A lot within the next few weeks. See, I think they're going to bounce back. I think yeah? Th- yeah, you're going to. I don't know. You're going to lose some weird the games. The offensive line's not in good shape. Yeah, Cold, Cold, Cole
0: Beasley's on the way here to to help oh. out too. So God. Yeah, that'll, it be that'll be exciting. Number wait. six, I had the Ravens higher than you guys. Collectively, we have them sixth. Okay. The Ravens are scoring a ton of points. Yeah. Um My God, Mark Andrews has become the best pass catching tight end in the entire league now. He's got like 14 or 1500 yards over his last full season's worth of games. Yep. And like 114 catches or something, too. Just nuts. Lamar's off to just another absurd start, too. Yep. Number seven, the LA Rams. There's a lot of teams here that you're just kind of like, all right, everyone's pretty much got a loss except for Dolphins, Eagles. So everyone's got a flaw of some kind here. The Rams come in at seven. Mm hmm. We have the Vikings collectively at 8 still. Let's put a pin in that and come back. Packers at 9. Jaguars! The Jags! Across the board, we all had the Jaguars 10th. Yep. yeah, yeah. And well. I think, I mean, they've got the coach. They have a Super Bowl winning coach. They have one of the most talented young quarterbacks in the NFL that everyone just, like, forgot about, apparently, because Urban Meyer was so bad. And they've been drafting... Young talent over the past few years because they're the Jaguars. They always have young talent. So, yeah, they're, and the, the division is very m- much up for grabs. Oh. So, Jaguars in the top 10 here, boys.
2: They're the only team in uh, top five, of both offense and defense in DVOA per, per, per football outsiders. So, yeah, they've been really, really good. They dropped week one to, to Washington, but they're looking good.
0: Football Outsiders, I believe, has the Jaguars as the second best team in the NFL analytically for the first. A uh, couple games here, Industry. first three weeks. They've got Bills, Jaguars, one and two, really in the in the overall really DVOA rankings. Wow! Yeah. And so, uh, where do the Vikings rank? I think I got this right. Declan and Judd both had them seventh. I had them eighth in the packing order. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Are we? They they certainly haven't looked great the last two weeks, but they looked amazing in the first half against the Packers and for most of the game and they and they found a way to win against the lions. Yeah. And there's not a ton of teams where you say, yeah, that team is for sure one of the so five back. best teams in the NFL.
1: Go go back to the entire list. Mm-hmm. I I honestly think personally for me starting at 5 5 through 10, juggle them up. Like I don't know. I have no idea. Um I just know that that and this is not new, but this league is filled with really crappy teams too and and 5 through 10 are certainly not that. So Bills, Eagles, Dolphins for now and Chiefs, I'm pretty solid on. Yeah, those teams are just good. After that, I don't know, man. I yeah. don't know. And so the Vikings to the Vikings to me, there was no way when I sat down yesterday to do this list that I was going to say, you know what, I don't think they're a top 10 team. Like they they were in my top 10 Automatically, the only question was where? Yeah, and another thing, too, is once you get past,
0: like, even the Bills, I was going to say, once you get past the Bills and maybe this version of the Eagles, mm-hmm. there's like 15 or 20 teams that are all kind of fighting in this middle ground. Hell, the Bill, the Bills and the Eagles might be fighting in that middle ground, but I, I think ultimately the Bills are going to separate themselves, and maybe maybe the Chiefs do at some point, too. But when we're watching these games play out, all of the spreads largely are going to be six points or less. So even even Vegas, I mean, hell, we could take a trip through right now. How many of the spreads are more than like seven or seven and a half points? Like every game is projected to be a one-score game for the most part in today's NFL, with the exception of a couple, maybe two, three games a week. And so you're gonna everything's going to be jumbled between the twenties. Everything's going to be jumbled in terms of yep. like being close in the second half. And so it really does, as we talked about early on the show. It really does come down to which teams execute the best on third down, red zone offense and defense. Right. Um, those are the, and when you're when you're trailing at the end of a game, can you execute with clock management and you know scoring points when you need to? Those high leverage situations are going to determine the Viking season this year. Absolutely. So yep. So there it is. That's the pigskin packing order: Bills, Eagles, Dolphins, Chiefs, Bucks. Ravens, Rams, Vikings at 8, Packers, and Jaguars. Boom. Football. Love it. Just a real quick, what are people saying about the Vikings? What are some of the other projection websites saying? So we touched on Football Outsiders. They have the Vikings projected as a 10-win team right now with a 65% chance to make the playoffs. 35% chance to win the division. Super Bowl odds, they have the Vikings with a 2.7% chance to win the Super Bowl. It was 6% after the win against the Packers. So that's interesting. And then 538.com, another NFL projection platform here. They have the Bills and the Eagles as the two best teams. So they've got the Buccaneers, Chiefs, Dolphins rounding out the top five. They have the Vikings, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12th overall on their uh, ranking list here. Projected as a 10-7 and 7 team with a 68% chance to make the playoffs, 38% chance to win the division, and a 3% chance to win the Super Bowl. Packers at 11-6 and 6 with a 77% chance to make the playoffs.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: They still have the Bills at 16% to win the Super Bowl, which is the highest. Eagles and Buccaneers both at 11%.
1: I am, compared to when the season started, I am less sold on the Packers now because I just don't know who the hell is going to consistently catch the the ball beyond Lazard. Like, Mm -hmm. I just don't know. I mean, they got guys hurt. They've got guys who are hurt and out now but certainly aren't great. Um... Yeah, I don't know. And, and, like, the Bucks win is impressive, but, again, it's a grinded-out win. Yeah. That's a credit to your team, but that doesn't mean that, that you showed out and said, oh, my God. You're... So I think I'm less sold on the Packers now than I was before the week one Vikings game.
0: I think it's going to be, uh, for me, with the Packers, check back in November. Yeah. They're going to need a half a season to figure out who are the three. Well, Lazard is one of them, but who are the three most reliable targets? You know, who's, who's going to be out there? Who does Rodgers trust? Because they still have some really good pieces on defense. Like, injuries are going to tell a story.
1: is back now, right? He came back against the Buccaneers. Yep. So, I mean, that's going to help him, too, at left tackle. Yep. If he stays back.
0: Mm-hmm. So there you have it. Um, it is fall golf season also oh, yes. around the Twin Cities, God. which is one of the favorite times of year for both Declan and myself.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's fall golf weather right now. So the best part is you can go get a tee time at, at at the Meadows at Mystic Lake. You can book that tee time at com. But then this weekend here in the Twin Cities is actually warming up a little bit. It's going to get up to actually the low 70s. So you, so you can go get some fall golf weather, little tees right now. But then if you're worried that... Ah, maybe I'm going to be too chilly. Well, the sun's going to come out. It's going to be a beautiful day this weekend at the Meadows at Mystic Lake. Here's the best part, too. With the Vikings playing in London on, on Sunday morning, you can watch your Vikings game. Then you get a late little tea time on Sunday, uh, early evening, late afternoon, a little twilight golfing at the Meadows at Mystic Lake. Book that tea time now. Golfthemeadows.com to learn more. Book that tea time. Golfthemeadows.com.
0: And thanks to our friends also at Federated Mutual Insurance Company for supporting us throughout the years at Score North. Purple Daily, Mackie & Judd, we appreciate all of their help as we grow this business that we are uh, building, this community of Vikings fans and Minnesota sports fans. And they've been helping businesses for over a 100 years with risk management tools and resources and just helping to maximize the level of success of your business. Think of them as a great guiding hand. Find out more information at federatedinsurance.com where it's our business to protect yours. And that puts a bow on yet another episode of Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment. Write that down, predictions, and an accountability session tomorrow. And don't forget to mark those dates. October 16th, the Surly watch parties uh, at the Surly Brew Hall. Judd's going to be there, Declan for sure. I am hoping to be at both of these or for sure one of these. Um, And you can come and hang out and drink some beer with us. On October, let me get the dates
2: right here, 16th
0: and November 6th. Judd, yeah, don't drink too much beer because
2: I can't hold up the show without you, okay? So you, you need, you need hey, to. And you're fine you, before yep. I die. Yep. Before I die. Bill's just not going to be the there. Tap. I'm going to have to drag Judd on the microphone. He's going to have six or so uh, beers in. We we gotta we gotta pace Dean ourselves. Martin,
1: Dean Martin did, did it just fine. Okay, for year, really just fine. Dean yeah. Martin, <laughs> it, it'll turn into a Judds Zolgad. Yeah, they rolled
2: Elvis Presley out there yeah.
1: uh, a few <laughs> times. You know? Yeah, come on, man. Come
0: on, Colonel. <laughs> just put a jumpsuit on and get out there. All right, All right that's a wrap. Daily Vikings Entertainment. See you guys.